crippling thoughts and dramatic mysteries, wonderful worlds of fantasy, denying love of the heart that beats within your chest, or is it just your imagination? Let's dive into a world of novels as we read books from all over, from writing and reading reviews to interviews, one-on-one sessions, and honest writing opinions. Let's keep it real on Mystical Mode. Hey guys, Mystic here. Help support the podcast with monthly donations. Reviewing novels is a highlight of my life, and I adore all of your novels and comments. Help us keep the podcast alive and to help pay our wonderful team of editors and voice actors. Till next time, catch you guys later. Hey guys, welcome to another wonderful episode. We have a very, very special guest here with us today. We have one of my personal favorite authors up on Inkit. Would you like to introduce introduce yourself to all the wonderful listeners out today? Hey everyone, my name is Kim and it's not Applegren. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> Apple it's actually Applegren, but if you're Dutch or German it will come easy to you, but <laughs> it's fine. Everyone calls me Apple Green. Um, I I just love writing. I love reading. I love music. I, I'm also a musician. Um, and I also just love animals. I love, um, I just love uh, rescuing animals and taking them in, taking care of them, making sure that they get good homes. It's it really does fulfill my heart to help others. That's so sweet. I like. I can drive past on the side of a road that's lost. I I would stop literally in the traffic and like, dude, slow down. I need to get this dog in the car and get him to the pound. Well, that's so sweet and so kind. Oh my gosh! I wish more. Well, we have after your example though. <laughs> well, we have nine dogs at the moment and two cats, and yes, so our lives are very hectic. <laughs> Who can, needs children? Uh, I can only imagine. Animals are, they just remind me so much of children just sometimes. I'm just like, well. yes. <laughs> but back to uh, the interview, let's get into these interview questions. My first question, sure. my first question for you is what inspired you to start writing? Right from the beginning, um, I think it goes even way past primary school time. My mother used to read a lot of stories to me, especially Hans Christian Andersen's stories. Um, And I I don't know why, but I always loved the ugly duckling story. Hmm. And from there onwards, I just had this vivid imagination. And I would always ask my mom to read stories to me every night until I could eventually read myself. So when it came to writing, um, I was chosen to write for the for our school's newsletter team. And I would write, you know, newsletters like for sports, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I had a story. I, I can't remember what it is now, what it was then, but they asked if I could write a little short story for their news bulletin, and I did. And it got quite good um, reviews for it and ever mm. since then I just started penning my own ideas down and then I would write uh, the school plays 
and I also wrote plays for our local church. So I know a lot of people always want this fantastic, um, eccentric way of how a person started writing, but yeah. really that was just that was just it. It was just in me. So I'm I'm sorry it, it doesn't. It's not. It's boring. But but that's how it started. No, no, no. It's not boring at all. The fascinating part of your backstory to me personally is the fact that you wrote plays for your church. I, my curiosity okay. is just expounding upon that. Like, what type of plays did you write? Were they like? Of course, you know, we all have, like, those little Bible stories. Did you put your own twist on them? Was it strictly just for the church's ideas? I'm curious to hear more about that. Uh, I actually, no, I didn't write any stories based on biblical stories. Um, I actually just wrote little comical skits. Just to, it it happened every year in our church where uh, they would just get together and just have fun for the you know, just to end the year with a bang. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a, a skit, a comical skit on Gone with the Wind. And, of course, our church had um, – most of the people in that church were a lot older, so they kind of knew what Gone with the Wind was about. Mm-hmm. So I made a, a comical skit on that, and they really enjoyed the, that. And oh, just little things. Um uh, doctors operating on tables, but when they open up a person, they were taking out instead of wax in the ear, they would take out a candle, and people were just bursting out laughing. Um, and as I said, I, I love classical music, and I had the guys dressed in tutus and doing weird ballerina types of moves, and they were so big and so fat. <laughs> but you know what? It 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 made them laugh. It. I got the response I wanted, and that's how it just happened. And every year since then, I did a skit. And I dressed up as Marilyn Monroe once. Oh. Note the word once. And I did a skit on, what was that song that she sang? I Want to Be Loved by You. But oh. I didn't want to make it, because she was like a like a sex idol in her time, mm-hmm. and this being a church obviously I needed to tone it down so I acted as a dumb blonde while while singing that song oh wow wow I still have it on video I'm like oh my word (laughs) and every now and then I get reminded about it so I'm like yeah but I hit that dvd very very right at the bottom of the shelf on my dvd cabinet yeah I feel, I feel that. Just some memory should just stay underneath the cabinet, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like my family always says when, every single time I come around, they're like, oh, look at you when you were a child. Look how cute you were. And I'm just like, please put that away. I, 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 that, yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about the Marilyn Monroe video. So, yeah. <laughs> like, ugh, I, I feel that. But my next question for you is, what do you think comes first when you're writing a story? Either the plot or the characters? Um, definitely the plot. Um, I like to always envision different kinds of things. It, like I said, it goes back when I was a kid. Um, my mother once told me that the teacher called her one side and said, you know, we would tell the kids to please just draw the sun but your daughter would draw the sun 
mountains, trees, she would fill the page. And to, to them, um, it seemed as if Kim was able to think out the box. So I was always imagining worlds, imagining stuff like that. And then the characters would come into play, like what kind of character would fit in this kind of world that I created. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. And when you were looking for names to fit your characters, do you want their names to, like, are your names supposed to have significance to the character or significance to how pretty or how unique it sounds? Uh, Believe it or not, none of the above. Uh, The names that I've got for my books is simply where I just took letters from, you know, Scrabble, Mm -hmm. and I would literally just fling it on the, the table and just start randomly putting letters together and then form a name. I know that sounds boring, but that is how I literally came up with the names that I have for the characters in my books. Actually, that's not sound boring at all. That is such a creative method into picking names. <laughs> I've always, I'm not going to say I've always had a struggle picking out names, but okay. I would be in a deep web search just looking up all these like, oh, cute names, unique names, this names, Greek names, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. usual. You just simplified yes. and just throwing keys on the table and says, hmm, yes. this looks cool. <laughs> oh my God. That's exactly what I did. So when people are saying, wow, your names are so cool, I'm like, yeah, well, thanks. You can say thanks to Scrabble for that. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I'm going to take a note out of your book and I'm going to buy myself a Scrabble board. Although I'm pretty sure we still have one in the basement, though. That's oh, awesome. yeah. That's awesome. My next question for you is, how do you come up with the titles for your book? I know The Silent Witness is pretty self-explanatory that, with, that goes along with your plot, but what personally made you think, oh, the moon sees everything too. She's a silent witness to man's creation and destruction. So what made you get to that point? The, the background to The Silent Witness goes on two things. Um, First and foremost, my favorite, favorite story in history was, is, sorry, the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by it. Um, it's always held an appeal to me. And when I saw the 2004 movie um, Troy, uh, I loved it, not just because it had Brad Pitt in it, but also because it was very close to the original story that was um, in Homer's Iliad and Mm. what happened was I was looking out at the moon that night when I first saw the movie and she was you know in full phase and well sorry full moon and I was also looking at the constellations because I also did a bit of um, astronomy studies and I was looking at the constellation called the Pleiades. And in Greek mythology, the Pleiades are seven clusters of stars that shine very – if you know where you're looking, you can see them, but at the moment they really are fading. But the sixth star – sorry, the seventh star cannot be seen anymore with the naked eye. And the Greek myth goes that um, that star, her name was Electra, and she – can you believe it? Had an affair with, of course, Zeus and had yeah. a child. Yeah. You know, Zeus just had a child with freaking everyone, you know? Exactly. So, screwed um, anything that could breathe at this point of time. Uh, yes, yes. And 
so she, well, the son that came from their union, he's, he was Dardanus and he became the founder of Troy. But because she was um, a divine being, she knew that one day the city would fall. And she asked Zeus if she could please not shine that night when the city falls. And that's, that's why the seventh star cannot be seen. So when I was that day when I saw the movie and I was looking up and I was also looking at the Pleiades, uh, which is also known as the seven daughters of Atlas, mm-hmm. I thought, mm, if they could tell a story, what could they tell? Because, I mean, throughout the ages, the moon has seen everything in life. And I thought, if she could tell us stories, what could she tell us? And and the fall of Troy happened at night, you know, when everyone was drunk because they thought that they won against the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Um, only for the Greeks who were hiding inside, the horse came out and opened the gate and destroyed the city. Um, I just thought, wow, the moon must have so many secrets. So I thought she has witnessed a lot of things. And I thought, well, let me make her a deity in my book. And she is the silent witness, but she later on is deciding enough is enough. I'm going to come down and help mankind uh, reach their potential. Mm. And But things go go wrong. <laughs> I can't say any more on that. Oh, dang it. I was really, really hoping to get sneak peek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess you can try, I guess. But that's very, very interesting. I truly never thought about it. I never really, really thought about it, thought about it like that. It was a very interesting concept to me as you literally put the moon as the center. Well, not as the center, but as a piece of being um outside or being a third party to like a devastating event or a great event. Mm. I really do, yes. do like that. It kind of also reminds me of how people can always look. I I get I like it how people can always look into people other people from like an outside point of yeah. view. Like you have different points Absolutely. of view on everything. Like what my um what's it called? What my grandmother said, there's a right side, a wrong there's your side, their side and a right side. And you're just Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, those those ancient words got me into so much trouble as a child. But, oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, surprisingly, I am not the stand-up person that you know me to be at this moment. Uh, oh, okay, okay. But back to the thing at hand, it just really put me in a different perspective of, first off, humankind and mankind's willingness to survive fight pillage and just so much more so having a third person point of view with the moon i thought was the most creatively brilliant thing to ever do in a story to really have a such an abstract object come through and be the centerpiece of such a brilliant written story i thought that was Mm -hmm. so amazing i've never come across anything like that usually people use some type of sentiment to disclose any type of emotion within the story like we all know how vampire diaries i don't know if you know about this but vampire diaries Mm -hmm. uses alcohol to describe like half the time they're mostly tired and they're nine times nine out of ten times they're in pain so to have okay. yeah, so to have something else rep- like something I never thought could be used as an object to disclose anything, it really, really okay. opened my eyes. And 
that really gave me ideas to use like other things like I know I came across a story he used it, a tree as like um a knife <laughs> or something like that I, I really don't yes know. yes yes when the woodcutter went to go and cut the tree and then blood came out and yeah oh yes I thought that was the perfect perfect example of what goes around comes around karma Oh, yes, I, I heard that on your podcast and I couldn't help but laugh. Uh, I was like, that's exactly what I wanted my reader to know. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad my first reading skills is able to give you a little bit of oomph within your story. But let's move Thank you. on. And I want to ask you, how do you handle literary criticism within your stories? Because I definitely know your story is not popular yet on Inkit, but I'm just curious to see if if, I definitely know for a fact you probably shared it with others. So I want to see how you took their criticism in a way. Um, to be honest, The Silent Witness got a lot of um, four to five star ratings, which to me, I was like, really? Are you sure? Because <laughs> I, I just I just wrote for the sake of writing it and I didn't expect to see it go this far. And um, I had two people that were really full of um i don't know I, I think it was just to to voice their opinion more than to actually criticize the book um but i always was the type of person you know in with the positive out with the negative take what you can or just throw it out and that's mm -hmm. what i did um it's the only way because if you take the negative only, you're going to stay up at night. You're going to beat yourself down. I remember the first one I got, um, I was, I had writer's block for about two weeks until eventually I, I sat myself down and I said to myself, self, if you're going to let one person get to you out of the, I think over 20 people who have reviewed it now, who have given it five stars, if you just let that one person get you down, then just close your laptop and find another a hobby. And exactly. I thought, okay, I I'm not going to do this. Uh, the other one was um, also a little bit harsh, but and then she said, yeah, put the God's names at the back of the book. And I'm like, but I had it in the beginning so that people could understand who's who. Mm -hmm. But okay, you know, she's a beta reviewer, so who am I to judge her? And then when I heard your first podcast, I was like, oh, no, they are really there. The God's names are there. <laughs> so I went in to put it back into the front of the book. And my mother always used to say, you know what, keep to your first choice. If that was my first choice, leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Which was honestly the best choice. Um, I, really yes. wouldn't, I usually don't recommend doing character charts, which is actually surprising. But I only recommended mm. it for your story because you introduced a lot of new characters within like the first couple or so chapters, like all the gods yes. themselves. So to yes. have all of, I don't know what that person was thinking, but to have all of those characters, the like have all those characters to be introduced in the first couple of chapters and not know who they are or what they are about. I feel like that's more confusing to the reader than anything else. I don't know, but also do no. I, I agree because, you know, in the beginning, obviously, it's just about gods. They haven't made mankind yet. Mm -hmm. And that is why I had them in the beginning so they could see, okay, this guy is god of this, god of that, goddess of this, goddess of that. 
so when they are finally introduced, they'll know, oh, okay, Sam Rosa is giving the magic of love because she's the goddess of love and mm-hmm. so forth and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know what that person was thinking, but to be honest, though, I do know a lot of people. Not I did come across a few people for when I was writing my story when I personally had a character list in the beginning. I don't anymore, though. I had a character list okay. in the beginning, and people just, like, really started to hate on it and saying, like, well, not a lot, but there's a couple or a few who said, um, we don't need a character list. This takes away from the story. You're wasting our time with these first couple of chapters with the character list. So it's not that, that was the review. That was sorry. That was also what she said. Wow. Uh, really? Apart from putting it at the back, you know, you you deviating from everything. I'm like, I'm not deviating from anything. I'm just showing you because when you hit chapter one, you're going to be slapped with a lot of names that you're not going to know of, and then, and I was afraid people would read chapter one and that was it, throw it away. So, yeah. So don't worry. I that was part of the review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why people get angry when you add in a character list, especially when you're introducing so many new characters from when, like, within the beginning. You know, to be honest, adding yeah. a character list with so many different characters, people, and personalities is actually proper formatting for writing a story. To be honest, you mm. have um, a table of contents, then if you have, like, a bunch of characters and such like that, you would have um, a character list, especially if you're adding so many characters in at a time. I think the limit of characters where you don't need to write a character list is probably around five or four characters. Like, if you're introducing five or four characters at a time, I think mm, that's, like, mm. the limit right there. But anything past that, yes. Especially for such an intricate story that you're writing, yes. The character list definitely needs to be in there. I don't see why people say we're wasting their time with character lists because... Y'all need it more than I do, <laughs> you know? I only made a character list for the names of the gods and goddesses. Other than that, um, the people who get who become introduced later on in the stories is self-explanatory. So exactly. it's not complex. Yeah, definitely. But aside from that question, I would like to ask you, how many books have you written and which one is your favorite? Hmm. Um, well, I've got four at the moment. Hmm. Um, the Resonance of War, which was a short story that went into Inkit's um, uh, short story contest. Um, that was, and I actually had that based on a not a personal experience. Obviously, I wasn't around in World War Two, but my great grand uncle he was in World War Two, and the things that he witnessed and saw during World War Two, because he fought against Mussolini. Um, it devastated him and that was the the emotions in that book was what I was trying to achieve in that book and then I decided to write a trilogy which is called The Time Travels of Tristan and Troy and because I love history um, I wanted them to go back in history to times that were questionable if you know what I mean I didn't want them to go back in time to stop the Titanic or help the people from Pompeii because for me those are fixed historical events so I thought let me play around with with questionable um, historical figures like King Arthur, Robin Hood, the lost city of Atlantis those kind of things you can really play around with and and the first trilogy book is actually about King Arthur Hmm. and um 
And I've already sketched out the second book to be The Lost City of Atlantis. I don't know yet which was going to be the third book. But um, I've put all of that aside because the silent witness, um, the publishers wanted in, in three months' time. They wanted to finish in three months' time. When the silent witness is, to me personally, my favorite, can't say my favorite. Um, I enjoy writing it because a lot of what happens in it is what happened to me personally. And I read somewhere that a novelist's first novel is usually a biography of their own lives. And so I decided to incorporate some of the, the tragic things that happened in my life, the good things that happened in my life to to be reminiscent um, through the eyes of either the gods or mankind, things like that. So the other day I thought, let me put aside um, the silent witness and just uh, do the time travels. But I just landed up closing it and opening the silent witness because I just, I've got so much still in store for it. I mean, when the publisher said, can you finish it in one month? I'm like, really? One yeah, month. Really? One month. Really? Right. <laughs> Even take three one months. Month to edit. <laughs> exactly. So I said, look, give me three months, please. And even then, I think I shot myself in the foot. But you know what? <laughs> it's I, I am actually where I want to be in the story because I know how it's going to end. But to get there is another story. Because you have to, you can't just write this as it is you have to write mm-hmm. and describe it so that the reader can see what you are envisioning in your mind exactly exactly and that's what takes up time that that's there yeah. yeah and it takes up pages too Ooh. oh yeah. yes it does <laughs> <laughs> i remember um talking with one of my professors they always tell me um because they read i forget which story was called I forget. Oh, they read the book of Game of Thrones, and they always tell me the food was so lavishly um, explained, or some type of very famous novel, the food would be described in such great detail. That's why when we have the series um, of Game of Thrones, the food looks amazing all the time. So good Mm, stories mm. also lead into good um, like if your story becomes popular enough, which I have no doubt in my mind that it won't, that's when people will start to make TV shows, series, or other like many episodes about it. So the more detail you incorporate now, the better this film would actually look. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I mean, when I read Game of Thrones, or well, it's actually called A Song of Ice and Fire, um, and then each book has got a sub uh, a subtitle. So the first book was Game of Thrones, then it was A Clash of Kings, and so on, so on. But you actually sparked a memory there because I do remember reading so much detail about food that he actually did write a, a recipe book, Game of Thrones recipe book. Oh, wow. And yeah, he did. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, can you please just finish the last two books? We've been waiting for the last 10 years. You know, the TV show is, is finished, but you are far ready to finish from your books. And it's mm-hmm. really irritating. <laughs> 25,000 pages later. I, I literally can only I can only imagine that 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 does sound very very painful. I know that pain though. I've been waiting. I wait. Ye- I don't really wait years for novels to come out. When I read them, and I'm like, oh, this is nice, and I'll put it away, and I might come back to it later on in life. Who knows? But one thing I definitely hate is waiting years for shows to come out. 
And one show in particular has left me on a cliffhanger, and it's from 2000, I think, like 2015-ish, 2016-ish, and has still not come back, and I'm just, I'm crying a little inside. (laughs) I feel the exact same way with the Game of Thrones books, eh? Oh, my word. Exactly. Well, my next question for you is... What is a key theme or message that you display in the book? Now, of course, we know the silent witness has like a different person's point of view looking down on mankind. But what I really want to know is what is the main theme or the main message you were trying to portray in this story? One of the, the things I'm trying to get across is that first and foremost, mankind has flaws. That's it. We're born with flaws. Obviously. But in order to really grow up, you need to sort of go through hardship, unfortunately, to learn and to not repeat the mistakes that you've made and to grow and be a better person. And mm-hmm. that is exactly what I'm trying to portray in The Sun Witness. So it really is more of a, a learning curve. Look, It's like taking drugs. You take it, you hallucinate pink fluffy rabbits or whatever it is people see when they take LSD. I, I don't know. I've never tried this stuff. Me, me either. <laughs> and I don't want it either. I don't see the joy in it. I don't see why I should. But it, it, it's like taking drugs, you mess up your life, but you kind of hopefully pull out, better yourself, and then you can be an inspiration to others. And that is what I'm trying to portray in, in the silent witness. That's very, very nice and very well put. I like that. I like that. Thank you. To be, to be honest, I actually like your theme. A lot of authors, when I ask them that, they're like, oh, it's to be a better person and to help me with this and to help, uh, to help me with that. But your main thing <sighs> is to help others with other people's issues, which I find very fascinating and very, very sweet of you. You have a very kind heart and a very kind personality. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, look, I've been... I've been bad. I mean, I mean, 39 years, okay, yes. I have done some stupid things, and I can't believe that some of the friends that I have are still my friends, but they saw, they saw me through it, and, and I've, I've grown up. It had to take a while, but I grew up, and I love to impart my knowledge and experiences to other people to help them and say, listen, what you're doing is not right, but unfortunately, sometimes – you have to let the person do those stupid things in order mm-hmm. to learn. Exactly. They will never learn unless they go through the experience themselves. I definitely Exactly. Do. Yeah. 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 And honestly, though, when you're talking about that, it kind of reminded me of another quote that I really can't quote well, but at the same time, I enjoy it and I love it. It's it's a quote like for when people are feeling really sad and you're feeling down and you don't know what to do with your life. My quote Mm. for that is, be happy that you feel sad because that truly means you were happier to begin with. That's beautiful. Wow. That is good. That's actually powerful. Yeah, that's when I first heard it. I was like, That's really powerful. It is. It really really hit me the first time that I read it. I was just like, because I was in a major slump. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but it was I was just in a major slump of life, but I continue to do podcast episodes and my fans mm-hmm. have given me so much support through it, which I am thankful for. 
But when I read that quote, it just meant if I'm so sad right now at this very, very moment, that just means I was truly happy in the beginning of everything. And you have to feel grateful for the times that you feel sad. Because when you feel sad, that truly means that you've lived life. Yes, yes. I mean, I remember um, a few years ago, I was always a people pleaser. You know, you always Mm -hmm. had to walk on eggshells around people. And, you know, I've read, look, I've read the the Bible my whole life. I was brought up in church. I played in the church. I, I was a youth pastor. I did everything in church. But it's amazing when you read a scripture it's like if you just read it for the first time, even though you've read it your whole life. And it's in the New Testament. I, I think it's in John or Jude. I can't remember. But it says, if I were a people pleaser, I would not be a follower of God. And that was the turning point for me to stop pleasing people. Hmm. That's not- and then the then the friends who were sort of my friends, when I started taking back and looking after myself they saw it as selfish and they just decided to get away from me so i it also gave me the the time and to think about who my friends are and to choose rather wisely who your next friend should be yeah very much so i i can definitely agree with that that reminds me of like another quote uh look at me just bringing up all these quotes no it's fine (laughs) Um, that actually kind of reminds me of another quote when you're losing your best like when you're losing people who you thought would be there for you who you thought would care for you and support you through all of this nonsense of the world and such as like Mm. that it just really just reminded me that and especially because I have people that I I have friends that I've lost over the years but I still wish them the best so it really reminds me of this one quote I would love to see you eat just not at my table that is, yes, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. Now, let me quote you. <laughs> <laughs> my so, something my mother told me years ago. She said, show me my, fr- sorry, show me your friends and I know who you are. And she also used to call um, friends like your your sunshine friends, meaning friends who are always there when it's the good times. But when the winter comes, you know, when bad things happen, they just run away and you're left alone. And that was when she said to me, show me your friends and I know who you are. Oh, wow. Now that's deep. That's yes, definitely yes. deep. Oh, that, that hit me. Wow. <laughs> Then I would, I would truly have a poor representation of myself. <laughs> so, so that is basically what I'm what I'm really trying to get into with the silent witness because um, there is one of the main characters has met this friend who's going to turn out bad. I'll give you that much of a spoiler. Yes. Um, and this this okay, yes, it is about the gods, but there's also mankind and the protagonist in the men in the realm of men, uh, she's going to hit really rock bottom. And this friend is going to really dig her deeper until she finally realizes, hey, she's not right for me. I need to go back home to be with my family. And that was, I'm, I'm now being open here. It's a little bit about me and about the friend's Poor, poor choices I made in friends during the years. Hmm. So I, I just want to, I just want people to 
to be happy and to to make the right choices. But again, like I said, you know, unfortunately, you have to be hit really hard before you eventually understand the meaning of life. That's very, very true. Once you've hit rock bottom, that's when you truly... And there's another th- saying, when you hit rock bottom, that, me- that truly means you can look up, like, you know? Yes, when you're at the very absolutely. Bottom, you look up and see what you've done and see what your life has been so far. I just, I like yes. that. I like that a lot. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but kind of going back on to track with my next question is mm. if you had to, to, to like first, what is your favorite character in your story so far? And if you had to describe that character in three words, which words would you choose? My favorite character is Queen Shafus. Uh, she comes much longer in the in the books. Um, she is benevolent, compassionate, and yet firm. She's also a very firm character. And I just enjoyed writing about her. And I'm not trying to promote feminism, but I'm just trying to, you know, women can also be these strong people. They're not there just, you know, for kings to have children and have an heir to the throne type of thing. It's a whole new basis with Shafus. And for some reason, Shafus, whenever I get to write about her, it goes over 4,000 words. And I'm like, oh, boy, let me just change these <laughs> and make them into two chapters instead of one, you know, because it's going yeah. over 4,000 words. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting new take. And as talking with you, I do not mean to pry, but since mm. you've told – um, I. Dang, I just really you just told me the character's name and I just blanked on them. Um when you were talking Shafus. Shafus, okay. Yes. So when you were talking about writing Shafus and how you liked writing her because you're um because it portrays a strong willed person and just benevolent and sweet. I've kind of I'm kind of hearing that from you. Like I feel like you're writing yourself in your ideal character in a way. Damn, you are good. No wonder why you have your own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, I do a lot of close reading, and I love reading in between the lines of everything. So, I don't know. Am I right, though? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Oh, thank you. That, that's good. I, As I was talking with you, I've noticed your benevolent state, and I know you did tell me about how you always hear to please people, but then you write a character who is strong-willed yet still can please the masses and be benevolent and sweet to all of them and just caring to them. It just reminded me a lot of you and your ideal character that you want to be one day. And I truly believe that you are definitely on the right track to becoming such an amazing person. So thank you. That's, that's very nice of you to say that. Thank you. You are absolutely welcome. I'm here to encourage and make you guys feel as comfortable and awesome as I possibly can. I try to, (laughs) I, I really do. I try a lot because I'll, you'd be surprised of how many writers and readers don't feel that they are significant enough in a way. So I feel like it's my duty, in a sense, to give them that little bit of extra encouragement or those little few words of kindness to really push them through. Really, push Thank them. you. No, I really appreciate it. And I, and I really appreciate what you're doing with your podcast to, to help the um, struggling authors. It's it's really it's actually 
you know what? It's actually a gift to do that. And you have that. Thank you. Thank you. You really do. Thank you. This is getting so heartfelt. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Hope tears of joy, though. <laughs> Definitely tears of joy. Definitely tears of joy. I love, I love doing what I'm doing. I'm not even gonna lie. I truly love doing what I'm doing, and I, and also thank you for the donation that you made towards the podcast. It really, truly did help. I, I have no other words to say except for thank you. In a way, you're like my own personal goddess. If that, means. <laughs> it's it's only my pleasure. Uh, again. I know I keep saying I quote my mother, but she and I, we were the best of friends. Um, But she always said, always give credit when it's due. And I always believe in giving person credit when it's due. Definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of slept on authors that I see in Inkit. And to be honest, you're kind of one of them. I was looking through your page and I'm saying like, these are some phenomenal stories. They're absolutely amazing this should definitely have more hype than it definitely does so i spent that whole entire day literally posting out more ads telling my more telling more friends about it i hopefully has brought in more readers to your side because i am it, definitely it has it has thank you i i one morning i woke up and i and i opened inkets on my phone app and i saw 18 people added the silent witness to their reading list i'm like what what when did that happen? <laughs> I was like, "What?" Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. You're, you're at, well. I said thank you, but you're absolutely welcome. I truly do try. I truly do. And honestly, I don't know if you know about this, but I have talked with my. She's the top team for my voice actor and editing team. So I was okay. talking. With, I was talking with her, and I was telling her. I'm like, bro, I call her bro, but she's a female. I said, bro, we're really to get this story. Like, we really get this story out. This is a phenomenal story. And this person's getting ready to get published in three months. So we really, really got to step up our game. And she's like, okay, tell me what I got to do. We spent that one. We actually devised our own personal. Um, She's going to be joining me in the ad later on. But we devised a little draft ad for your story so people can listen to it. And for the next future, for future episodes to come, don't know how many yet as of the moment, but I will keep tagging you in those posts so people will know about your story. Cause I truly oh, wow. Th- <laughs> you're welcome. I truly think your story should really, it's, um, it's a phenomenal piece of art. I have never come across anything like your story. And I read so many novels on the daily, so many. And I truly think this is a story that definitely deserves a lot more credit than what has been given. So yes, I will continue okay. to post ads about your story from, Probably like maybe five, ten episodes up from now. So there you go. Oh, that that's that's really great. Oh wow! Now I'm the one who's cheering up. Thank you. <laughs> you're you're so welcome. I I love helping, and I really do love your story. I really do. When it's published one day, I really I will enjoy buying it. I'm not even not that. I will enjoy buying it. Thank you so much. And what did you think of the map? The map, I looked what, at Was it map. okay to read or? I generally like the map. I didn't mm. I didn't spend too much time expounding on the map as geography is not my best suit. So mm-hmm. if you want to ask anybody about your map, I wouldn't ask me about it. But personally, looking through it, I liked it. It had nice, very simple illustration towards it. It wasn't too, in a way, flashy and it didn't hold too much unneeded detail in a sense 
that's just no that's, that's perfect yeah yeah I, I like i like to keep to the the kiss method uh do you know what the kiss method is it rings so many bells and i really feel like i should know it but i cannot off the top of my head okay well the kiss method means keep it simple stupid so i'm like okay i have to keep this map very simple mm-hmm. so at least you can see there's the forest there's the the kingdoms, there's the, the mountains, those type of things. You know, I don't want to have this elaborate map. Exactly. And I drew it only once. I There was no edits. There was no erasing anything. As I drew it, that's how it stayed. Hmm. That's very, and very I, fascinating. I studied geography in, in high school and uh, topo- uh, cartography, sorry. Cartography was one of my favorites. Hmm. That's, that's very interesting. What I like mainly about your map the most is that it has very simplistic features to it that makes it simple enough for a general audience to understand it. Like two complex maps would really not get down on the readers, if that makes, um, what am I trying to say? It wouldn't get down on the readers per se. It would just make it harder for them to understand. And then I do a little, I do a little bit of a study in psychology with promoting okay. stuff, obviously. So... Mm-hmm. When some well something becomes too difficult for the general public to understand, that they'll sometimes they either feel insulted or feel like, oh, this book is not worth the read if I can understand it. Already doubting their capabilities to understand a novel, so it kind of like it kind of breaks down marketing in a way. So to have agreed, so, yeah. So that's something agreed. So simple and sweet and to the point. Good um descriptions and examples. Good coloring. Uh, that I personally like. I like the way the water looks. It's very smooth and creamy. So <laughs> to have something to have something like that, I feel like it definitely brings in more of a um lower, not gonna say lower class to make fun of them or to, to talk down to them. No, just more. Of a no, lower, no. Yeah, just bring in more of a lower broad of readers because they'll feel, yes. oh, I can understand this map. I feel a connection and stuff like that. So I'm going to continue reading. You know. So yes. Another reason why I really like your map. It's very short, sweet, and to the point. I like See? That the kiss method. It was the kiss, the kiss method. <laughs> the kiss method, it works. It definitely works. Uh, oh. no, but um, I was, you know, when you said, jeez, um, was it the first or second episode? Um, the book is not about werewolves, by the way. There's no oh. werewolves, nothing. I <laughs> it's swear just. To you. Hey, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and and I mean the, the name when you were talking about the names of the gods. Um, my best friend and I. His name is Michael. I I thought it would be an hour tops to figure out names. It landed up being six or seven hours long, just oh. for thirteen names. Because what we did was we took three languages on Google Translate. We chose three languages that you would hardly even pick. And I can't even remember them myself. And then we would type in words that would attribute, like for the god of war, for example. I mean, what goes with war? Uh, Fear, anger, blood, things that go with war. So then we typed those words out and then we, we picked out those those words we shuffled it around and then that's how the god of war's name came out same as with the goddess of of love what goes with love um love vanity fertility 
and then we slept again, used Scrabble, and we slept together the, the letters together and made a name. Hmm. And then we thought, okay, well, let's make their names stand out more than human names, and that is why they've got, you know, like a like two dots or like also the Greek alphabet in yeah, yeah, two yeah. of the names. Yeah, in two of the names, there's a Greek alphabet in it. Simply just to make them stand out against human names, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's actually a brilliant, brilliant idea. Using Greek alphabet, I did not make, I do, I'm not going to say major, but I do know a majority, not a majority, I do know a few languages, not fluently, but I do know a good, a do know a good handful of them to recognize them when I see them. I've touched up on Greek alphabets and literature. And to be honest, when I saw that, I was just like, okay, this one, this is one of two things. This is either Roman or Greek. Either way, (laughs) I love it. Love it. Cool. That's good. That's good. And and I couldn't help but actually add in a Senate, a Senate house in the capital city on Barathorn. Mm. And I had villas and everything. So so that would kind of reminiscent um, Roman era type of thing, but oh. still but still be um, on its own type of turf. You know, it's not a, a real copycat. I still try to keep it um, imaginative and the way I would like it, not directly from a history book. Hmm. Definitely true. Definitely true. Well, I will let oh, this sucks because I have to wrap this up. So I'm only going to ask you one more question. And then from here on out, I guess your interview is done. It has been an extreme pleasure talking with you. And I truly have enjoyed this conversation that we've had. Maybe we should do a one on one session later on in um later on in the week or something like that. I don't know. I'll email sure. you. Sure. Yeah, cause I, I, I enjoy this. I definitely think we can have a... I really want to have a debate with somebody about um, a broad topic in literature. Like, for example, what makes a good story? The characters that play mm-hmm. in the story or the actual plot itself that makes a good... Like, makes it good, good. You know what I'm saying? Like, that makes a stunning debate, yes. <laughs> you def- would need, I think, more than two episodes to do that one. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I can already hear my editing team literally cursing me out right now. Like, why? This is two hours <laughs> long. Why? <laughs> like, well, it, it's a good debate. You can make a series out of it. But Exactly. My, exactly. But my last question for you today is, what would you consider a hero? Like, it can be a personal hero, a celebrity, a hero thing yourself, a quote, somebody you love or cherish. Just what do you, per- as a, like, as your own personality traits and your own, per- like, your own personal meaning of it, what do you consider a hero? When I read the story of the nine worthies in history, uh, they all had one thing in common. They always put people in front of their own. They had their families in front of themselves. They always put others ahead of their, and and their lives at stake. And through life's lessons and what I've been through, I've learned to not be selfish anymore and to rather be there for other people and to uplift them. And it was a long journey and it was a very hard lesson to learn. 
So to be honest, you know, those times of being selfish and doing only things that make you happy and not others happy, I'm way over that. So my thing is, is just to help other people now, help them where they are spiritually. Um, unfortunately, I cannot help people when they are physically ill, but I can always just be there for them mentally, spiritually, those kind of things. Definitely, definitely. The little things definitely do matter. And the people they say do like, matter. They, they do. They, they truly do. The littlest things can truly bring out the best in somebody or like, oh, I, just saying, are you okay, can make somebody break down in tears sometimes, you know? And the way you say it as well, you know, not just mm-hmm. how you're doing. You know, you if you really give them, I, I see, if I've noticed if you give them eye contact, instead of just saying it over your shoulder, you know, you are actually showing that person you are genuinely like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Exactly. Can I help? And it actually makes a difference because the eye is the window to the soul. Mm, it definitely, definitely is. Eyes say more than words sometimes. They definitely True. do. Yeah, Absolutely. I've, yeah, I've been on the other end of a very, very angry scowl when I was trying to steal snacks from the kitchen. So, <laughs> <laughs> I... Oh, and when your parents look at you and they don't even need to, t- like, when you're, like, acting up as a child, your parents don't even need to, like, physically say anything to you. They just look at you and you already know you messed oh, up. Oh, they just, <laughs> you yeah, know I know. That's the it's like when, when we were when we were visiting cousins and we would get up to mischief and then my mother would put us in the car and on the way home when she says, just wait till we get home and you're sitting in the back of the car and you're, like, giving your life to Jesus all over again. <laughs> Yeah, it's all in this. It's all in the eyes. It's all in the eyes. Oh my gosh, it is, and just the way that they say things sometimes. Like, <laughs> like if you're acting up, and then like they'll like say like, "Come on, we're going home now." Or, like, "Come on, sweetie, let's get out of the store because you're making a scene." You know very well. As soon as you get out of that store, may may you be in God's hands now. That's why I do pray for you. <laughs> yes, that is true. Well, thank you so much to join us today on this podcast episode. I've truly learned a lot about your personality, and I truly enjoyed talking with you. It's very nice, sweet, and mellow, and you're such a very kind and caring person. It ne- some I usually my catchphrase is when people are being stupid, hum- mankind's ne- mankind's stupidity never ceases to amaze me. But sometimes mankind can also bring out joyful surprises. And I'm happy that you were one of them. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for taking the time to choose me to to have this interview with you. It, it was really an honor. I really, I really am appreciative of that. You're absolutely, absolutely welcome. Anything you'd like to say to the people who are listening or writers who are really in a slump right now before we end? Anyone out there who's got writer's block or received bad reviews, just bury the hatchet and just carry on writing. Keep on keeping on. That's all I can say. That's a, no, that's a great thing to say. There's something else you can say except for that. Keep on moving. <laughs> Keep on. Keep on going on. And if you're finding yourself on the back foot, then just rest there. But don't take a step back. Just stay there for a while. But get the strength and move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't walk on broken legs, as they always say. Can't walk on broken legs. 
True. But thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I don't know about you, but I get tired of reading the same story over and over and over again. I just want to spice things up and really get out there. And I definitely have spiced up my reading list by adding The Silent Witness by author Kim. This story brings into a new light of Greek mythology, folklores, and just general legends. It is an amazing read that I highly recommend to anybody with a fantasy tooth who just can't wait to dig into new lining of life. So, with that in mind, read The Silent Witness and definitely, definitely enjoy. Link is in the bio. Thank you.